Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Reason podcast. Today's guest cast. Hello. <laughs> I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's guest is Annie O'Brien, who is a spokesperson for a woman's advocacy group in New Zealand, south of where I am, and I guess north, too, if you just go all the way around the globe, over the top and down below, down under. I think New Zealand's down under, down under, isn't it? Is it like a double down under? Is that how their politics run? Double down under. In this conversation, we talk about how her views on feminism has changed since the rise of gender ideology and how her politics have shifted into a more coalition building stance rather than just straight activism and combativism. And we talk about feminism. We talk about the direction of the world, her interest in American politics, and many other things. This is a very fun conversation. It's uh, one of those conversations where I just kind of pluck one of those voices out of Twitter that I've been following for so long to give them a chance to express themselves in a different format. Annie also has a podcast that is just now getting off the ground. It is linked below. Do check it out. Without further ado, here is Annie O'Brien. I have two cats wandering around, so um, if you see them, <laughs> that's who they are. <laughs> um, I always get, uh, I always upset people by not having cats in my interviews, uh, and so it's nice when they jump in the frame. <laughs> yeah, they've um, definitely made an appearance in a few work meetings. So, good. Like my colleagues are, are like, well, you know, well aware of them. <laughs> What percentage of your work life is uh, virtual at this point? Now it's almost uh, optional by choice. Um, so in New Zealand, we're we're pretty open at the moment. Um, we did just get one case uh, of COVID in the community. Um, so that was in the news yesterday and everyone's freaking out. Um, so since the lockdown we had early last year, it's more that um, people are choosing to work from home now, um, which I do a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, it's not um, it's not because of lockdowns or anything like that. Though we may end up back in one because our government was pretty uh, proactive last time. <laughs> Did you, uh, from your point of view, was that uh, worth it? Do you guys think that, that it's, they did a good job? It's really hard to tell because um, people... Uh, uh, well, are very, very supportive of Jacinda. Um, she she won, just won a majority in the election. And um, while I have a lot of respect for her, I don't think that she has saved us. I think that we've got a moat around our country of thousands and thousands of kilometres of ocean, um, and that helps us a lot. <laughs> um, while I think 
maybe the first lockdown did help. Um, I do worry about some of the laws that were pushed through and that kind of thing. Um, so I think um, I'm worried about where we go to from here because we've got one case in the community and it's treated as if it's the end of the world and you look around the world and there's there's a lot more going on. Um, and everyone's very upset because we don't have the vaccine yet. And I'm of the opinion we shouldn't because we should be giving it to the countries that um, have mass deaths at the moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... There's a cost analysis that's everything's politicized right now. Well, yeah, everything's always yeah. political, but everything is very turned up politically. But mm. there is kind of this dance to play with how much do we want the government really controlling us because of all the tools they have to control mm. us now? And yeah. uh, how are they treating us with issues that you know, are, are beyond just the uh, COVID or some sort of disease yeah. or even national security, the way that mm. some governments are meddling in uh, some issues that you and I uh, participate in on the Twitter sphere. Yes. Um, and we're definitely in for a big year on that front. So um, I'm a little bit cynical about our government because I know uh, what they have on their agenda that they've that they've communicated um, in terms of um, bringing back the sex self ID bill that we stopped um, in two thousand and nineteen. I think it was early, um, and a few other bills around that topic. Um, and I am suspecting that they will use situations as cover to push stuff like that through um, in a way that probably doesn't get the scrutiny that it should. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's where we have to make sure that it does. <laughs> Were you involved in that uh, counter push to this uh, gender self-ID law? What was it called in 2019? Uh, so it started in 2017. It first came up and it, it's called um, the Births, Deaths, Marriages, Relationships Registration Act. Um, so it's nice, nice big acronym? title. Do you guys believe in acronyms? In yeah, BDMRR bill. Okay. You guys can work um, on that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. It's a horrible, it's, a, it's actually an administrative bill and they just piled a whole heap of amendments into it. So there was stuff around, um, you know, um, recording deaths and and all that that just needed to go through um, just as administration wise. And what they did was they thought they'd just sneak this in with it as like, oh, it's just a change to how we manage birth certificates. Um, whereas actually it was just self ID. Um, and so we were basically able to. So um, I'm the spokeswoman of Speak Up for Women, which is an organisation um, here in um, New Zealand. And, yeah, we're the group that um, pushed back and stopped it back then. However, a new government has come in where um, our Labour Party's in the majority now, and um, that means that they can push through things that they couldn't before, so they've brought it back. Mm. Are you – what's your trajectory uh, coming into this new – land this this particular issue around uh, gender and sex uh, is really shaking up how uh, people uh, identify as uh, 
there's different terms for your country, I'm sure, but liberal and conservative or left and yeah. right are, are being upset by this. Where were you in 2010? I was a lefty. Like okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was a real lefty. Um, and I don't think my values have changed. Um, I think that the um, parties around me have. So in, in New Zealand, we barely have a, a right, really. So both of our major parties sit at centre-left and centre-right. Um, and so when people call um, our national party, who are the, the centre-right party, conservatives, it's kind of funny because they probably sit to the left of the Democrats. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so we are very liberal anyway. Um, but... I, I was a green voter previously, um, which is probably the furthest to the left that you can get. Um, and my politics have changed a lot in that my values haven't, but how I see them um, in, a, in relation to politics has. Um, I've seen that the left, um, as, as with everywhere in the world, um, the left has been where this new wave of misogyny and homophobia and everything around um, sex self-ID has come from. Um, and, you know, Speak Up for Women, we tried in good faith to engage with the left um, and to uh, talk about the issues. And um, it really was um, slapped down. Um, and so, yeah, it gives you, it makes you rethink everything. Because um, you think if, if, if all of my values no longer are represented by the party I vote for, what am I doing here? You know, mm -hmm. what the was point? the, like, what was the kind of turning point for you or were there a series of moments and what, how did that culminate? Um, it was pretty early on in the um, kind of sex self ID debate. Um, so I'd kind of been quietly, um, exploring everything and um, I was in touch with a lot of British gender critical feminists and and I didn't really know if there was a movement in New Zealand um, this was like oh it would have been like 2014 15 16 um, and then when it started becoming um, public and, and a topic in New Zealand I realized really quickly that the Green Party in particular were taking the opposite position to what I had come to. Um, and they also were going to be quite vicious about it. Um, and mm. so um, some members of parliament from the Green Party um, have called me and, and the organisation that I'm part of some really horrible names, which um, I kind of think that no MP should really be behaving like that anyway. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of seeing that behaviour, seeing the ostracism of, of women in particular who spoke out about stuff. Um, I just said, like, I'm not having any of that. So I kind of moved slightly over to our Labour Party and I kind of thought, okay, let's see, they might be okay. Um, but given they're quite closely aligned with Greens, or they were, um, remains to be seen at the moment but um yeah they too then basically reacted like that um and within their party they have some pretty uh outspoken advocates for gender identity ideology um and to be honest no party in New Zealand has 
spoken out publicly against it. Um, I'm constantly mm. in touch with a lot of MPs and personally they, they agree and um, I'm hopeful that um, perhaps this year our national party will, will start to speak out because I think um, I guess they're waking up to the fact that um, that a lot of the um, woke stuff um, isn't popular with uh, the everyday people um, and as our government pushes that the opposition has an opportunity to differentiate I guess um, yeah mm, yeah that's really weird uh, you pointed to two things there's the position of your party changed but also the manner in which they treated you uh, changed. Mm. When did you first start seeing this vitriolic uh, uh, anti, uh, well, th this treatment of your particular viewpoint as, a, I, I'm going to assume, a, a feminist or gender critical feminist? Mm. When did you start mm. seeing the treatment of that kind of go off the rails? Um, I, I would say probably, yeah, maybe 2015, 16, somewhere hmm. around there, it started to, I mean, it, had, it was already, um, there were already activists in the Green Party. Obviously, um, its, it's foundation is in environmental activism yeah. um, and that's how the party comes about. But um, I think it then has lent itself um, to being a natural home for other kinds of activism. Um, and that's what's happened in particular around um, uh, gender identity um, here in New Zealand. So our Green Party, um, I mean, I know a lot of women who used to, to vote Green who uh, no longer do because um, they feel that literally the first priority is gender identity and and most of us were probably voting for them more for the environment and for poverty, um, I guess, policies and, and equality policies. Um, and, and so... The, the kind of activism stepped up probably around 2015, 2016. And, um, and then um, it was really, it's the online stuff. It's yeah. like they've, they have had a few different um, like official party Facebook groups that have had to be shut down because of how nasty they've got. Um, and I think they now have one. I'm obviously not in it. And <laughs> blacklisted thoroughly okay. you're not um, allowed yeah i'm really not allowed um but uh, uh friends tell me that now uh their existing group um is only able um you're only able to contribute in it if it's approved so you do a post and then moderators approve it um yeah. so it's all very um it's a yeah it's a very uh I don't know how it compares to overseas green parties, but it's very young, activisty. Um, it, it's uh, it's overrepresented on Twitter, <laughs> yes. um, so it's, I guess you can get an idea of, um, of of the kind of rhetoric that that kind of goes with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I speaking of Twitter, I do enjoy your rhetoric on. Oh, thank that you. Topic. It's fun watching you. Uh do that yeah, not everyone too. does but <laughs> <laughs> i got i got in trouble today for a joke so it's always funny to yeah. see uh, how you wrote i'm in big trouble at the moment for being mean to joe biden so <laughs> oh really okay yeah yeah 
how often do you get in trouble? Is this a regular? Oh, quite regularly. Yeah. And the thing is, because I now probably occupy quite a centrist space, I manage to upset people on both sides. <laughs> There's no place more, um, I guess, you get caught in the crossfire. So I, if I'm not upsetting people on the left, I'm upsetting people on the right because I'm trying to take positions. I'm trying to be balanced. Um, mm. I obviously don't get it right all the time, but um, yet the moment... I'm supposed to be like, I guess, celebrating on the behalf of Americans for for Joe Biden. And really, if if Trump wasn't so um, perceived as so bad by by um, Democrats, I think that they would probably have canceled Joe Biden a long time ago. <laughs> I think it's in the works right now. I think the the party yeah. is uh, gonna, uh, rift apart as soon as the afterglow of being free from this fascist dictator um fades then things will the dust will settle yeah i am i'm very worried for you guys and i think well i don't know if americans realize but um i any kind of crazy politics you get up to gets exported so um the fact that he signed the executive order um around like the women's issues and, and gender identity um, that will impact how the issue is viewed here. Um, so I think sometimes when I spend a lot of time talking about that kind of thing online, Americans are like, why do you care? And it's like, you guys export a lot of your bullshit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our good shit too. <laughs> you do, you do. You make really good, good like movies and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I think, I, I, I think as well, we're, um, we're still there's there's still remnants of that um, idea, and I hope I hope it doesn't get lost completely because it, it's it, it's the good part of American culture I think, but um, the idea of the the good guys who um, showed up to sort World War Two out and then were you know the the absolute um, creators of of the entertainment industry and and all the like fun stuff that Mm. you exported Mm -hmm. um you know i think so i think that's where the the connection with a lot of i guess other western countries is is still there um but yeah we we get a bit of the bad stuff as well (laughs) (laughs) so what is your position now how is your your ideological position around uh, being an activist or standing up or being a spokesperson for women's rights. How has that shifted? Where was it um, before it got enmeshed in this uh, tussle, mm-hmm. tussle with uh, gender ideology? And how, how have you yeah. refined it? Or where do you think it, it's uh, going in this time? I think um, I was very set in my ways and, thinking that left was good and right was bad and feminism could only exist on the left. Um, and so in that sense, I um, I was part of, I guess, the polarisation that I now try and um, resist. Um, and so this process of, um, of speaking for an organization of women, which we, we very deliberately um, made nonpartisan because this is an issue for all women. 
um, but initially was made by lefties. So, so we're quite left-dominated still. Um, but the process of dealing with the issue of sex self-ID, um, conversion therapy, those kind of things that keep coming up, mm-hmm. um, because I was constantly being put in opposition to my natural home on the left, it forced me to start reassessing things um, and it forced me to consider that perhaps I don't actually exist in either of these spaces. Um, and I think perhaps it's time that we relooked at how we um, measure political belief, because especially for women in this movement, we carry with us, I guess, maybe some of the economic leftism, um, got a lot of unionists in our movement. Um, mm-hmm. So we carry that through. But the parties that are supposed to represent us have left us behind in terms of social values um, and our idea of um, the progress that women have made. Um, and, and actually, um, I'm a lesbian myself and and um, I see them as having left behind lesbian and gay rights as well. Um, so we don't fit not neatly on the spectrum. Um, however, when people accuse me of being right-wing and conservative now, I've taken to saying, yes, I am conservative. If by conservatism you mean I'm seeking to conserve liberalism and mm. democracy. <laughs> so I do find that we are in a defensive position, which is often associated with the right because they are the conservatives and um, they're trying often to stop the push of the left. And so we are in that position of trying to conserve, but we're trying to conserve the liberal values that the left won. So it's a very, very complicated yeah. um, situation. Um, and I guess in terms of articulating my own position, um, if I'm to describe it on that traditional spectrum, I'd say I'm centrist because um, I still have my same values in terms of, um, uh, I guess, things like um, I'm a strong believer in universal health care. We've got it here. Um, mm-hmm. I think education should be paid for by the government. So I am I am in favour of public service and that kind of thing, which um, if I was a full-on right wing, that doesn't fit with that kind of um, set of politics. So, um, yeah, I would say I'm centrist, um, but with the caveat that I just, I think we've got to throw out the rule book on it. I think there's a lot of conflict within the feminist movement yeah. because people are trying to jostle and and come to terms with what their politics are now that basically the left's rejected us. (laughs) Or as a category, they've Mm. uh, stripped that category of sex and with that destabilized what you guys had uh, shored Mm -hmm. up in a way. Yes. And also in doing that um, have, um, been happy to stoke a conflict um, rather than hearing us saying actually what you're doing here is um, you know destabilizing our rights Um, what you're doing here is is actually quite impactful on women Um, and in the reaction to that they've 
they've created a huge conflict. And I think that um, politicians, lawmakers all over the, the world, um, this falls at their feet. Um, they should have had the, the bravery and done mm. their job and facilitated a conversation when this all started. It was the shutting down that sees us now locked in um, quite a rabid conflict mm-hmm. in which um, we aren't able to communicate uh, our very passionately held views on both sides um, and and really in situations like this, it, it's the responsibility of the people we elect to sort out these issues and they haven't. Mm-hmm. The way in which... On a, on a larger, just zooming out from the particular uh, issue of uh, feminism and gender ideology and the, the tensions and the conflict there and then how that's affecting feminism, just on a, on a larger playing field, the issue around sex and, and females, uh, which is mm-hmm. traditionally from the left, is also on the vanguard of what is being suppressed. Uh, along with a lot of conservative people or far right people, uh, which are you know being shaken up and, and pushed out of uh, communities, especially after the last month in, in America, and with uh, the way in which social media is treating, mm-hmm. and the, the way in which the Democrats over here are wanting to suppress their ideological enemy, and going so far as to say we are going to reprogram them or whatever. The feminist movement, the gender critical feminist movement specifically, those who fall within the category of turf, are have been consistently pushed out of Reddit and and Twitter and kicked out, and even uh, earlier this week when that executive order was signed and Biden erases women came up, there was this this natural hashtag or this natural battle that's been playing out over and over and over again for years between uh, the trans rights activists and the uh, gender critical feminists or or females, uh, specifically around female rights. And then Twitter inserts itself and starts to editorialize those things. There's this, it, it, it shows this particular issue shows that the platforms and the political establishment, broadly speaking, is setting a precedent towards squashing dissent. And it's mm-hmm. not easily thought of as a left-right issue or left going against right. There is this ideology in particular, for some reason, is ra- rather rabid and mm-hmm. uh, allowing, or like uh, I interviewed uh, Catherine uh, Deves uh, earlier this mm-hmm. month uh, with uh, the way in which Victoria is allowing this gender ideology stuff to formulate some sort of really powerful st- state apparatus that can go around and punish people Mm -hmm. and uh, accuse people and find people without any oversight whatsoever. Yeah, we're getting into that ourselves. Are you guys Um, going that direction? So, yeah, um, we have had announced from our government that they are seeking to establish hate speech laws. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess uh, that looks like they'd be similar to what is in the UK. Um, And they have... Uh, they have said that this has come out of um, the commission that reviewed um, the Christchurch massacre, um, which um, was when uh, white supremacist um, terrorist gunned down uh, 51 people in Christchurch, New Zealand, um, which is 
absolutely horrifying. Um, and that was what as year a was country, that? I think. Um, was it a year ago? Or two years ago? It was okay, it was March? Like it was in 20, March. Okay. Um, twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um, and like the the sentiment of the country is is horror at that and um an absolute rejection of um the 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 espoused beliefs of this man um and yet there is now a cynicism because the government has declared that these hate speech laws have come out of this commission but one of the primary um things that is mentioned is gender identity um and everyone's kind of going hmm yeah, I'm not sure that that was really a primary issue in the, in the Christchurch massacre. Um, and so they are using it to insert in those kind of ideological um, positions. Um, and it's been written about here that, that basically the gender identity part of the law is pretty much probably being written in order to shut me and speak up for women up. So... Mm. It's very bizarre situation to kind of know this law is probably going to get passed because the the party that's pushing it has a majority in parliament. Um, we'll oppose it, but um, there's not a lot we can do if they decide to pass it. So it's it's very scary because it is a strengthening of the same beliefs that probably big tech are pushing as well, um, that the Democrats are pushing. Um, which is around identity, around safetyism, um, and around, I guess, subjective offence being um, the primary over the right to to speech and expression. And unfortunately, we don't have a First Amendment. So, <laughs> oh, okay. At what level of your constitution or founding document is speech enshrined? Is it tacked on later on? Or? So it's, we've got a Bill of Rights, but it's not as definitive as your um, First Amendment. I, I think that's um, – I seriously hope that the Democrats don't get at that because I think it's the best thing that you guys have is that, that piece of legislation or founding um, document. Um, so, yeah, our Bill of Rights um, has it, but it's um, expression – and it is caveated by, um, I guess, the conflict between other things in the Bill of Rights. So it's a mm. little, it's just, it's not, it's not a strong document compared to um, First Amendment. Um, and basically, once these hate speech laws are introduced, um, it'll be pretty useless. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah. the, that's really interesting that they. Uh, it seems like, from what you're saying, they started out combating white supremacy but ended up actually enshrining a bunch of stuff around gender identity. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do, how do you make that? How do you make that leap guys? <laughs> like, I know. And the very interesting thing in terms of where they started as well is that, it, um, don't ask me what year it was, but relatively recently we got rid of blasphemy laws, um, that was still kind of hanging around, um, from back in the day, oh, um, which okay. were mostly to do with obviously Christianity and not, um, you know, saying things that were blasphemous. Um, and 
there are elements of this bill and how they pertain to Islam, but also they could be applied to Christianity or whatever religion um, that are essentially the return of them because um, you no longer have the right to ridicule um, if that's going to cause offence. Um, and so that worries me because I feel like it's very, it's a regression. We're yeah. just, we're just widening the scope of it. So instead of it just being Christianity, it's, it's, yeah. Is this, uh, these hate speech laws, are they, uh, they're enshrining Islam as a protected class? Is that uh, part of them or? The wording hasn't come out yet, but because okay. of the, the, the way it's been, um, I guess, promoted through the media by the government and that kind of thing, it's very much been tied to the Christchurch massacres. Um, and obviously, um, for those who who aren't aware, that that was um, targeted at the Muslim community, and they were praying um, when they were shot dead. Um, and so, the religious aspect of the proposed legislation um, definitely is at least implied to be pretty heavily um, protective of Islamic faith. Um, Doesn't that which for me is problematic? I think with gender ideology. I mean, how can you have? <laughs> no one's both? allowed to say that. You can't. Okay, say that. you're not. You're, you okay, know? you just like, don't think about it. Okay. Yeah, you can't and talk I just bring that up not because. Yeah, because the, because Islam, uh, no matter how heavily it is implemented, but it does have a very strong idea mm-hmm. of of sex se- segregation. Um, Absolutely. So the the amount of just accepting uh, or excerpting or casting aside how certain implementations of it are, are rather uh, oppressive yeah. of women, just taking that aside, even without that, in more liberal instant instantiations Mm -hmm. of islam there's still a very strong difference between male and female Uh, Mm -hmm. so (laughs) you have this gender ideology that's protected so i'm i'm interested to know like for example if um if a muslim preacher says gets up and condemns homosexuality and i then condemn say islam for its homophobia who's protected by the hate speech laws in this situation so there's a lot of conflict that's going to come from it um and and that applies also to the to women and gender identity i mean we know who's going to win there because they've shown us time and time again that women don't win but um but you could argue uh that some of the things that are said to women are, are completely hateful um and so what's hmm. the what's the threshold and and who decides what trumps what um it's very complicated um and and seeing what's happened in the UK with you know people getting hauled down the police station for a set of tweets and yeah. that kind of thing it's really scary and and i think um we're really headed off the cliff we've seen others just run off so yeah yeah, I, you obviously just like uh, what happened or what is implied by Biden's uh, executive order. Again, sorry to bring it back to the United States here. But That's all right. Biden I'm very interested in your politics. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Biden signed an uh, executive order about um, 
And the wording's interesting about, about gender identity and sexual orientation. He put gender identity before sexual orientation. So this gender identity thing, which is not defined in the document, is mm. implied to be the Trump card there. Uh, he also yeah. did one with equity, and he said that our, wanting to make the government fair for all individuals, including all these different identities. So you know it's implied... But and all he's already said it's all individuals. Yeah. Yeah. And he implied he actually said in a speech that we are going to focus our recovery especially mm, on these like identities. That. So yeah. in, in encroaching either he's throwing a bone to the so-called woke or th rather the identitarians or he's mm. uh, giving kind of a gloss that we will take care to support more marginalized groups implied yeah. in what you're talking about and what he's doing is this calculus, this oppression, mm -hmm. privilege calculus. So in so it's going to have to be worked out in this very silly fashion where you say, okay, well, let's let's look intersection intersectionally about Annie. So she's she's white um, and she's a female and she's lesbian, but uh, you know this other person's Islamic and or this other person's a, a trans individual exactly. or Islamic trans individual, and then you're going to have to go and identify as Islamic in order to fight against this, and then <laughs> and then you have this huge thing. Yeah, you'll have this huge conversion thing because it's all based on self ID, and you can change that at any time. Yeah. So it, it's a really big mess, and. It is, and it never, ever um, considers class, which for mm. me, um, coming from the left to the old left, um, is, is so messed up because I think that, that our class, our, um, our level of income, the type of jobs we do, these are the things that we all have that we can measure um, and you can have black or white male or female whatever but um if you've got one who is a higher earner and one who is a low earner that's the material difference yeah. their lives are going to be more different based on that than anything else and yet it never comes in so for example um i, I got myself in trouble for being far too sympathetic for um trump voters but i could see a large portion of them um, feeling very displaced and very ostracized from their own country because of their whiteness um, and their maleness in some case. Um, this idea of privilege couldn't sit with them because they were also extremely poor and living yes. in, in places where, um, you know, with huge levels of addiction, poverty, yes. Um, you know, where traditional industries have shut down and they're having to look around for what do we do now. Um, and so I have a huge amount of sympathy for them and the fact that they might not want to vote for a party that's just consistently telling them that they've got it better than everyone else um, and that they should sit down and shut up. Um, and I'm not saying that race and sex don't matter, obviously, but um, I think that when we forget class... Um, when we forget um, the the really important things, like the fact that poverty pretty much eradicates any privilege, really most privilege, um, you know, we're, we're doing a disservice to huge groups of people. Um, and yeah, I can see why they, even if it was a protest vote, vote for Trump because it's a middle finger to the people mm -hmm. who are disrespecting mm -hmm. them and mm -hmm. forgetting mm -hmm. them. Um, but you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> 
on, on the matter of class and class privilege, the government has the information to to do the calculus on on mm-hmm. just based on your earnings. I mean, we have the RRS over here. I don't know what you guys have. Do you guys have a, a very IRD? Funky... So IRD. Okay, so it's close. <laughs> Similar. <laughs> they are the government already has the ability uh, and the straightforward calculus. Of course, it's it's gummed up here because we have such insane tax laws. But they already yeah. know who's privileged and who's underprivileged there to implement all this identity stuff, which well, is so subjective, scheme, right? So it benefits the people or the government or the, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but if, if, if all the people who are actually um, underprivileged, they're in poverty, they all got together regardless of race, creed, whatever, then the government might be in trouble because they'd have to actually answer for the fact that there are these huge amounts of people suffering. Um, whereas if they get everyone fighting about identity then they're too distracted. They're not able mm. to organise. Um, I think that the the, the reason union movements, um, you know, struggle is because of the amount of time spent on identity rather than addressing oh, yeah. the material um, issues, which yeah. they should all have in common, you know? Yeah, there's that um, uh, very explicit uh, democratic socialists of America. They had a conference and they spent so much of the time declaring their pronouns and making <laughs> points of personal privilege, which makes them silly on the outside, but they're very always stilted and actually getting anything actually done. Mm. Uh, so it's interesting. Have you, in your adventures in feminism and breaking out of your, your left uh, kind of uh, side into more centrist side, have you seen any inroads on how to, uh, or what are rightists or right-leaning or conservative-leaning people uh, willing to compromise on in order to form a coalition with... Uh, mm-hmm. With, with you guys, what, what have you seen? Because I think that, that uh, really exploiting that and, and bringing to light what people will be uh, willing to compromise on faced mm-hmm. with woke on one side, radical right people, you know, supremacists or whatever on the other, and then the go- globalist hegemony mm-hmm. on top. What, what, where would the right be willing to work or to seed some ground and where would the left be willing to seed some ground in order to get something done? At the moment, in my experience, the left is not willing to seed any ground. Okay. The right um, is, um, I found myself um, creating some, some good um, relationships, friendships um, with people who are on the right. The ones closer to the center, obviously we align on a lot more things. Um, they tend to, Obviously, they agree um, on the biological realities. For them, it's probably there's more ideology into it than there is for me in terms of gender roles. Roles, yes. And that kind of thing, um, depending on how, I guess, you know. Um, But it's interesting. I I have um, a friend on the right, and he's quite conservative, but he has been really helpful for um, Speak Up for Women behind the scenes and... Um, and supported me with, um, I guess, all this stuff. And he is anti-abortion and I am pro-choice. And this has never been an issue for us because um, we, well, we just last year, we might've been the year before now, New Year's always throws me. Um, We um, had reform on our abortion bill. So that's kind of been done. Um, And, 
So he's not actively trying to undermine my rights in that sense or anything like that. I know what he believes, but it's irrelevant to the work that we're doing on this. Um, The law exists and protects me. Um, We don't need to fight about it. Um, And so it's just irrelevant. And I think a lot of women I hear have an issue with working on the right because of their stance on mostly abortion. Um, And I know it's different in other countries where they're not as well protected as we are are now. Um, But I kind of, it's my belief that um, as much as possible when we're in circumstances that are so um, potentially dire with the legislation and that kind of thing, we should be working with people we have stuff in common with and in spite of the stuff we don't have in common. Um, And if they were actively trying to repeal the bill or something like that, it might be a bit different, but they're not. Um, And, and so I definitely feel it's workable. Um, And what what's actually really funny what's being conceded is that there's um quite a few religious righties who um are quite openly fine with me being gay which I don't think they would have been a while ago I think that they've almost (laughs) they're like they've kind of gone like oh they're not trying to encroach and change stuff that materially affects me being them Whereas this other stuff is trying to change my life, is trying to make me say things differently Mm -hmm. and and trying to tell me that what I see with my two eyes is not real. Um, And what what they're teaching children. Uh. And that's a major one. Um, So I've spoken a lot with a a religious guy who who is really concerned about, um, so he heads up a group here, and he's really concerned about um, children. And what's really interesting, actually, is that um, some research came out last week. Um, Someone, a group here had had commissioned um, a piece of research in 2018 and and, in December last year. And it was basically on all the kind of issues around self-ID and around gender identity identity ideology. (laughs) Um, And um, one of the issues was should should parents be able to opt their child into health and sex education or should it be opt out? Um, So it seems like kind of the same thing, but um, if it's opt out, then the parents, if they never hear about it, their child's going to go, go and just do it. And um, it takes proactive opting them out. Whereas if the default is that they're not in and then you sign them up for it, then it's more of a proactive approach anyway the um opinion has flipped in the two years since 2018 so this is um it was um a new zealand-wide research and people are now more in favor of opt-in because they are are more conservative (laughs) about how they how they feel about what's being taught to their children yeah Yeah. um and and it was interesting because virtually all questions on this in this um, piece of research, the survey, um, had fallen in our favour more so than they had in 2018. So people, as they learn more about it, are more uncomfortable with it. And mm. it's to do with the things around children, a lot of it. 
Yeah, that's that is an interesting uh, fertile ground for coalition building because uh, mm. you have abortion, which is about the babies and the mothers, right? Which mm-hmm. is a very tense topic, and there's a lot yeah. of things in there. But if everybody meets a year later, two years later about childhood, I think a lot more people will agree on protecting childhood uh, yes. and and protecting children, and that can be a proactive thing. That's just aside that those other battles that's that's a really interesting uh yeah possible thing yeah was there and I a think rain maker have... in the background somebody no i think that was um the <laughs> i think it was the connection because i couldn't hear anything for a second unless okay. my cats have taken up like some kind of musical instrument or something <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I think we definitely can work together on that. I know that the um, a group in America, um, Women's Liberation Front, um, they've got a lot of grief for working with religious right groups. And yes. I have a lot of sympathy for them. I think they do some great work. Um, and I think a lot of what they get is actually pearl clutching um, from people who aren't doing as much work as them. Um, and if... Um, you know, I kind of say, look, if you're not comfortable with who they're working with, then why don't you go and work with who you want to? Um, mm-hmm. And I honestly don't think we're going to be able to oppose this kind of stuff if we don't have some kind of allies. Because at the moment, we are on the outs of our, what a lot of us thought were our allies. Mm-hmm. Um, and as... Um, honourable as it might be, like fighting alone and, you know, shadow boxing. Um, it's not effective, you know. Um, we need to be able to, to leverage influence and power where we can. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit of a mercenary in that regard. I'm kind of like mm. whatever, whatever needs to be done to protect women's rights, I'm not going to quibble over other politics. Um, yeah. And I struggle a lot with purity politics which you've probably seen on my um twitter i i just can't stand it i was i was thinking about that somebody uh brought up uh i i pushed back against somebody with uh purity politics um because they brought up uh coalition building coalitions with right-wing people and uh Mm. why we need to be i I think it was a a female and a feminist Mm. she was saying this is this issue is so important that we really need to attack uh, right-wing uh, views to get them uh, to to let go of their uh, the stain of being right-wing or the stain of whatever thing she was talking about. I'm like, once you go down the path of purity politic, your enemies will see that guilt by association really works to slow mm-hmm. you down and to gum you up. So d- don't do that. Don't do that yeah. at all. Uh, yeah. I, in, in my in my opinion. And that's I why I act a little bit dirty on online to to keep the purists <laughs> out of my way. <laughs> I like it. No, I I agree completely. Um, oh, sorry, my cat might make an appearance. She's, Don't she's make any out. apologies. The cats are absolutely <laughs> welcome. Go ahead and put them on the couch behind you. This is a cat friendly screen. Down here. <laughs> um, yeah, I completely agree. I think that um, if if we play purity politics, we lose. Um, and I think, um, you know, I see yeah, Megan Murphy, you've spoken to her before, um, and I've got a lot of respect for her. She came and visited us and, and spoke um, at one of our events, so that was cool. Um, and 
I see her, she's on a larger scale than me, obviously, but I see her going through a lot of the, the same things I'm going through in New Zealand, where those of us who are kind of most visible in challenging this stuff are under the, the most scrutiny of who we work with, what we say, what we do. Um, and um, the level of um, perfection that we're sometimes held to, I don't think is very fair. Um, and I don't see it existing in other movements. I wonder if it's a feminist thing that we do to each other. Um, hmm. And I think we, when we get caught in this um, condemning each other based on who we're working with um, and, and really trivial things, um, we just tear each other down and then we're not going to get anywhere. Um, and I've seen it, uh, obviously, with Megan speaking about um, Trump and Biden as well. And I think she's of a similar perspective, which is that they're both awful candidates. You wouldn't want either of them, you know? Um, but you're supposed to say, like, bad orange man, yay Biden, <laughs> you know? And yeah. by saying that they're both awful, um, you are then... It's funny, all the, like, tropes that are used by, you know, trans rights activists are then used by um, others in the movement to say, well, if you say that you're, you're endorsing white supremacy or you're, you know, it's, it's really frustrating. I'm like, don't use their tactics within ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. counterintuitive and it's, it's, we're never going to succeed. It's uh, on a hopeful note, one way of looking at what's going on uh depending on how large you think the threat is for your hobby horse or your, your issue, not mm-hmm. to denigrate anybody's issue, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's an opportunity. Being under assault is an opportunity to really boil things down say, okay, what works, what doesn't work and mm-hmm. what causes us to not become them, you know, and what, yeah. what about them did we, uh, did we participate in that we need to like, let go of and, and kind of uh, renovate uh, mm. our, our own politic our own uh, ways of interacting with people and uh, and stuff like that. It's an opportunity uh, mm-hmm. not to, this is, this is not for me to say, but it's an opportunity in some respect for feminism to be more open, more welcome and a I place for, that, for broader, yeah. uh, broader coalitions. And I'm wondering, have you seen uh, become friends with what, what is a conservative feminist? Is that such a thing? And what they is that? They haven't been allowed. I don't think. Oh, okay. Um, and I think there's still a very strong perspective, which I don't share, um, that in order to be feminist, you must be left wing because the um, class issues that are analysed by the left apply so severely to women. That is true, okay. but the left's yeah. no longer analysing them. So I don't know what, oh, interesting. you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my argument is that, um, yeah, cool, but the left's not doing it. So, um and so, uh, just yeah. uh, briefly to gloss uh, the analysis, the left analysis, uh, and how that impacts women, is that uh, to uh, look at women as a second class or, or somebody whose labor is taken in for granted in some That's way? one aspect of it, would be, okay. um, I guess, um, you know, the free labor um, stuff in terms of child rearing um, and housework and that kind of thing, but also um, generally lower paid or lower valued jobs. Um, and, and also the fact that, um, when, um, when women are living in impoverished situations, they're more likely to have unwanted pregnancies. They're more likely to, 
um, suffer domestic violence. Um, so it's there's so much is connected to um, class and um, not classes in like sex class, but classes in like um, uh, income and, and economic class. Yeah, it severely um, impacts women to be in yeah. a lower class uh, physically and emotionally and so, mm. so on and so forth. Yeah, you just way. need to look at women's prison populations. Um, they are overwhelmingly from working class and poor backgrounds. Of course, there's mm-hmm. exceptions, but um, and so it, it's kind of it's a it's a huge part of considering the the suffering of um, the most acute suffering of women, um, because mm-hmm. once again, if we're looking at um, um, obviously there's issue, there's issues that are applied to the whole sex class of female, but in terms of who is suffering the most from these, it's always going to be those who are in um, economically deprived situations um, simply because of the issues that go along with them. So I'm um, privileged in the sense of um, having come from a middle-class family um, and, and living pretty middle class now. Um, and so the odds of me going to prison, experiencing domestic violence, those kind of things that are a lot lower. Um, so I, I think that is why often um, feminists see the left as being the only place feminism can exist because um, it takes all that into consideration. Mm. My argument now is that they aren't doing that, so they are no longer justified in claiming that. I'm not saying that the right are, but I think we need to look at, um, you know, not turning people away because they don't have all the purest views. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've definitely met a lot more women um, who were on the centre-right in New Zealand who, who are kind of tentative about calling themselves feminists because they feel like they're going to get told off about it because they vote wrong or um but actually you know they're there because they've got the same concerns as us um Mm -hmm. you know that they they are it's an issue that we really shouldn't be dividing on on political ground well yeah if you erase Um, the category of woman then you can't do any analysis yeah exactly whatsoever um you know i guess we could do uterus have a analysis but then what about all the women that have had hysterectomies you know it's, yeah. we get into all that and it's just yeah. ridiculous yeah. um yeah. i just i'm i think what i personally have learned through all this and through the behavior of trans activists and the um hostility of this whole situation is that i don't want to partake in polarized politics i don't want to partake in hmm being hugely partisan there are things i will obviously have a position that's shared on one of the other sides but um i reject the idea that i can't be um working with someone over here and someone over here um and the idea that i can't simultaneously you know the dialectic of being like um this lefty is bad and so is this one or um, I disagree with this person, but this thing that they did was actually really good. Um, mm. I, I try and kind of, obviously, I'm, it's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
it's definitely made me examine my own ideological echo chambers and that kind of thing because hmm. um, it's so ugly looking at the, 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 the mobs of attacking trans activists and I don't want to I don't want to be a part of that <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what else is there in your uh, that you've been thinking about uh, either within this issue or beyond what's another thing that's been uh, tickling your brain I'm really interested in our education education system um, which is um, so There was a report done by um, an independent um, education researcher um, that looked into the New Zealand education system. Um, And it shows that while our results, when measured against global um, results, are going down at a rate of knots, but when measured against our own um, marking, they're going up. So it tells you something's going on there. And so I'm really interested because in this report that I read, it really sparked my interest. Um, It was calling for an end to what's called child-centred learning, which sounds really counterintuitive because, of course, you want your child to be centred in the learning. Um, But what it actually is is this idea that each child has to have individualized education um, and that the child decides what they want to do um, rather than uh, approaching as they did perhaps a while back <laughs> my dad's generation or something um, with the teacher standing at the front and, and imparting knowledge in a much more dry way um, and there's some hmm. there's a school called Michaela school in the UK that does that they've regressed back but it's actually shown heaps of success. Um, So I've got a lot of time for um, Catherine Burble Singh, who runs that school, um, Mm -hmm. and she's super interesting. And the the reason why I bring it up is because I have seen in the reaction to this report in New Zealand and the reaction to how Catherine in the UK is treated, similar behaviour to like trans activist behaviour, where it's questioning an ideology, an established thing that, um, the government system has decided this is what we do. And all of these people who generally purport to be leftists rush to protect the establishment. And mm. they rush to say, no, this is what we do and, it's, and you're wrong and you're hurting children and all the hyperbole. Um, mm. So I find it really fascinating that you can take a completely different situation um, and different parameters and the same behaviours are, are reoccurring. Um, so it, it does fascinate me where, um, once again, where the, the majority, the establishment, wants us to ignore the evidence that says this is not working or this is not right. Um, and, and the instinct of, of a lot of people is to protect them, which is, hmm. like, mm-hmm. when did we become establishment when did the left become establishment i thought the whole thing was like (laughs) anti-establishment it's really there's a lot of yeah oh i was just gonna say like thing like like in terms of the gender identity thing i find it really interesting that um they that these activists see themselves as 
you know, sticking it to the man and being like, you know, um, counterculture and stuff. But I'm kind of like, you know, if the big banks, if the government, if, you know, <laughs> corporate, everyone is putting pronouns and putting rainbows on everything, you are the establishment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're the anti-establishment because we're saying, no, we yeah. don't like this. Yeah. But it's almost viewed the other way around. There is a, there's a behavior, you're pointing to something uh, that, that I've been watching and, and looking at, but there's this, uh, there's these attitude of uh, being reactionary or uh, being very fundamentalist. And mm-hmm. I guess, are you Gen X? You, you kind of seem like on the um, I'm 30, so I think I'm Yeah, right. you're millennial. Um, yeah. But you're, you're, you're <laughs> millenniax, maybe, you're, you're right there. <laughs> But it seemed like we had an attitude where we kind of expected um, the right, the cultural right, at least, to be very fundamentalist and very reactionary mm. and very, you know, going against a progressive stance, yes, uh, yeah. which the government was kind of slip, slipping in there uh, on a social issue or something like that. And that there is just a weird kind of mind screw to see that mm. behavior, that that behavior on this other ideological spectrum, this very fundamentalist, very reactionary. And then, and then you're very correct with the uh, man, so-called, uh, being on their side and them not seeing that the drone that is dropping bombs on Syria might have a rainbow flag on it and a BLM <laughs> hashtag on it, but it's still, still dropping bombs <laughs> on Syria. It, it's uh, it's yeah. a weird trick, and it seems I, – I, it's really difficult uh, to not go down uh, – uh, some sort of conspiratorial conjecture. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that it was just kind of a grounds up, a groundswell of a certain uh, ty- personality type uh, kind of meeting and getting in conjunction with uh, the globalist or, or very uh, large corporate interests mm-hmm. figured out that, that they could totally get away with what all those youth were fighting against them if they just did these certain virtue signals. Okay, well, well how we'll easy is that. it for them to put a rainbow on something yeah. rather than actually addressing, like, I don't know, the fact that their CEO makes 500 times more than, you know, their bottom workers. You know, like, yeah. how easy is it to just stick a sticker on and then everyone's like, oh, they're so great, they're so progressive, yeah. yeah. And it's just now they don't have to deal with, like, you know, people protesting about their pay and everything because they're just so, yeah. you know, right on. Yeah, they, they follow the Twitter mob uh, mm-hmm. when they dogpile on people, and or they'll they'll do all that woke virtue signaling, uh, mm-hmm. which is really good to kind of cover up. You know, just like Biden's doing, like raising yeah. insulin prices, uh, mm-hmm. totally screwing over the energy sector in yeah. the United States. But at the same time, at least they got their gender ideology and they got their, yeah. uh, you know, their racial equity program. And I find it quite funny that we're not allowed to talk about the trade-off there. So um, from what I read, correct me mm. if I'm wrong, but with with shutting down the pipeline, he basically deleted 70,000 jobs. And so there'll be people who really want that pipeline to be shut down and, and there'll be environmentalists and all sorts. Um, and then there'll be people who said, but you just deleted 70,000 jobs. And we actually, we're not even allowed to have that conversation about the trade-off because yeah. it's this is seen as the virtuous position, the environment, da, 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 da. But actually, let's talk about, so now that you're not getting 
you're not, this is not in use. Where are you getting that product from? You're now going to go overseas and just get it from somewhere else. So the environment's still getting fucked either way. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just cleaning your conscience by not doing it on your soil while deleting 70,000 jobs. So there's like more to it than just like, um, this is good and this is bad, but we're not allowed to measure that. We're just, this is virtuous. We must be anti-pipeline. And it's like, yep, there are, I can see the harms. I can see why you, you wouldn't want that. But do you want to have a look and agree that there are harms over here as well? The fact that, that 70,000 people is a good-sized town, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, it's a lot of people to lose work. Um, yeah. and, and not to mention the autonomy and the military mm. uh, problems that we don't have to get into. And I, I haven't yeah. read much into it, but like he's already advancing. I'm sorry, we don't need to talk about U.S. No. politics, <laughs> but he's already going to war or something like that. He's already <laughs> like, it's like, OK, back, back to the old good. Or, yeah. Uh, back to, yeah. you know. Business as usual in the USA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's. It's actually incredible, but we shouldn't be surprised because, like, you just as soon as he started appointing like all of these kind of old warmongers like to his team, it was like, okay, yeah, okay, we're going, we're going here, all right. But um, I think for me that like you you could argue to me that it actually is better that the pipeline thing you know was shut, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. I just want us to be able to have the talk like have a conversation about it to be a, to not demonize the people arguing this side mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing it's like um mm. when people are so religious almost about biden or about the democrats um you know the insulin thing i got so much grief for that because i said um why has he got rid of this regulation that prevents uh, pharma companies from um, not passing on their discounts, which brings prices down. And I was, I was kind of asking, like, does anyone explain this to me? Why would he do it? You know, um, and I just got just so much grief for it. Really? And I thought we can't talk about the price of insulin once again. Who are the people who are diabetic predominantly? You know, it's these populations we're not allowed to give a shit about. <laughs> Hmm. That that really cuts to the bone. Uh, it really cuts to the bone. Um, but uh, you know, the oxycotton or whatever the drug abuse yeah. and in poor communities, all, all the all of these problems. Focusing it, actually, you do a lot better for a lot more people focusing on the money than you do yeah. on the identity. Uh, yeah. But for some reason, it's much easier for us. It captures our our hearts and our imaginations to talk Mm. about the identity. Uh, And that even happens like, it's just a human instinct to get tribal and and to... Totally. And you can demonize, you can have the other, you know, um, kingdoms and countries used to go to war just to unify because having a bad guy that we were all against was so powerful for collectivism. Um, And so now we we can bad guys say white guys <laughs> we yeah. can be like that's the bad guy over there so um let's all be this kind of unified group of here doesn't work in practice because then they start breaking it down even more but um it's 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 this um other thing we're the good guys and that's the other mm. and we're justified in our actions and they are not you know 
is. Aren't we kind of doing that right now? <laughs> We're the I good know, guys. I know. Because yeah. we don't good and bad guy anybody like those people over there. <laughs> I know, it is, it is. It's a cycle, right? I yeah. guess it is something that there's something human about it. Um, well, I mean, we, we have limited brains and it's just a way to divide the world. It's like, uh, mm. it's like people who preach about non-dualism. They're like, mm. we're non-dualists. Well, how, so you're you're not a dualist. That means that there's a dual there's a duality between you <laughs> and the dualist, you know, or or the non-binary. It's like okay, well, you're just you're not the sense. binary. So you, so there you go. There's another binary. It's just it's just kind of how how we how we operate and and yeah. kind of what um what I'm trying to do overall in my approach specific through the the medium of interviews on twitter i do play the 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 bad guy or i get my antagonistic you know and (laughs) to shake off that purity and i am antagonistic but to to provide a platform for people or to explore ways in which we can decrease that othering uh, Mm. you know and and kind of get just poke our heads a little bit above the tribal level i think that human beings are tribal and we can't escape that and every time we do we make a big mess of things but there is a part of us that can be uh, assured and, and can lift up and, and make broader communities without mm. necessarily having to fight against something or in order or rather in the process of fighting for something mm. we, we actually gain a lot more of that that magic unity dust that is being peddled right now um, so it's just yeah. interesting to explore how people like you and your situation have kind of shaken up and say, mm-hmm. okay, well, I need to compromise. I need to mm-hmm. be a better player under the threat of being vilified. You you <laughs> then uh, kind of mature in, in your own politic. Yeah. I think it's interesting, the concept of needing to be tribal. I had a conversation with my dad actually yesterday where lapsed Catholics, um, he raised me a Catholic, but then he's kind of lapsed as well. Um mm-hmm. And we were talking about the fact that um, as a whole, the West in particular, um, English-speaking world, I think America's a bit different, but um, there's been a real turn away from religion. Um, And some will argue that's good. I would have previously been like, yeah, it's really good. But now I've got a few questions because Hmm. we haven't replaced it with anything. Um, So we've got rid of, um, of, of the church, of the um, belief system. but And the blasphemy re- laws. Yeah, and the blasphemy laws. But we haven't replaced it with another way to gather as a community every week and to um, be self-aware and reflect on how we've behaved that week maybe and how we treat <laughs> others and mm. that kind of thing. And so we've, we've ended up with a void and... Um, and I'm not advocating that everyone should be religious, but I'm saying how can we bring back this idea that we we gather in communities that are um, there for the purpose of of basically self-reflection, ethics, um, how we approach the world. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so we get that sense of community, of tribe, of these people think like me and care about me and everything. Um, and we also get the opportunity to examine ourselves because yeah. I think that's what's lacking with a lot of people online is there's no self-examination because we're just not encouraged to do it, it, it especially in this online space it's all about projection and and 
what other people are doing wrong. Whereas I think, you know, we used to spend a lot of time um, sat still thinking about um, our morality and that kind of thing. Um, And I really, I don't want to, I don't want to give off the opinion that I'm like being kind of evangelical or advocating for, um, I guess us all to sit in church every Sunday, but go ahead if that's your thing. Um, I'm just interested in the void that's been left and, um, and, and how we can create meaning and community without it. Um, Cause I think we need to do something proactive. I think we need to, um, if we're not going to have religion fill those functions, what do we want to put there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, politics is a very poor substitute. It's uh, a very poor substitute. <laughs> one, we're we're all congregating around grievance, which has problems. Two, yeah. whatever self awareness or self reflection that is practiced tends to not really be self reflective. It's just uh, I'm. It's corrective. I'm like, oh, I didn't mm. say the right thing, or I have mm. to apologize because I said the wrong thing, which which has the the overture of some sort of confession on a but way, it's but it's not performative. Yeah, but it's performative. It's all it's yeah. all outside. It, it's really uh, we're like that fish that kind of came up to the surface too quick and burfed out all of our guts and then <laughs> suck them back in. It's just, it's not actually, I don't know where that came from. That was, was amazing going, but... <laughs> analogy. <laughs> like, okay, there's all your crap, but uh, yeah. you didn't really fix yourself or anybody else, but it it's, it stinks now, I guess. So I don't know. <laughs> no, it makes sense. It's very unique. <laughs> so you started, uh, you're, you're about to start a pro- podcast or, a, or yeah. a media company of some sort? What, what's your project? <laughs> um, it's very, very small. It's just me. Um, I had previously done some podcasts for Speak Up for Women, but I want to do one where I can talk about more than just the women's issue because I think it's interconnected with so many other issues. Okay. Um, so I have started a podcast. I've got three episodes so far. It's very little. Um, Excellent. Yeah, so it's called Thought Crimes with Annie O'Brien because we commit thought crimes every episode. Is it an OnlyFans and it's spelled H-O-T <laughs> crimes? No? I'd probably make more money <laughs> if it was. Money over there. <laughs> um. Yeah, so it's it's basically I've I've done one, one little kind of like monologue one, and then I've done um, two interviews with just Kiwis. Um, so I've got an mm-hmm. ex-journalist and, and a guy who works in, in the film and TV industry, and I'm just talking to them about identity and um, okay. and free speech and stuff. Mostly, it's it's about freedoms and free speech. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm. It's very small and amateur. So well, it just started yeah. a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I think I need to sort out my audio. I've, I don't know. About it's it's it, it's <laughs> sounded very good. Uh, today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so that that's a podcast. You have a website. I just want to plug mm-hmm. it for you. Oh, and thank on, you. And on uh, Twitter, you're, uh, you want to spell your, your, uh, your Annie yeah, O'Brien, so, but what's the so special So Annie O'Brien, but Annie is spelled A-N-I. And so it's A-N-I-O-B-R-I-E-N. And my website is just www.thoughtcrimes.co.nz. <laughs> oh, oh dot, what, what's the special dots at the end? Dot what? Dot co.nz. Okay. New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> and Z is Z. In it, it is. <laughs> 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 
I know. Hopefully people can understand me and my Kiwi accent. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's charming and uh, articulate. That's good to hear. <laughs> Is there anything on a cultural level that you're uh, doing uh, beyond that? Are you a singer, weaver of uh, tails or knitting, mittens <laughs> or anything like that? Um, I don't do anything at the moment. I used to um, paint and write, but okay. um, since feminism kind of required you know, fighting again, I don't do a lot of that. So I do do some writing. Um, I used to put it on Medium, but I'm going to pop it on my website now. Um, mm-hmm. But it's mostly kind of like opinion writing and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I don't have any arts and crafts. There's some very cool um, feminist arts and crafts out there at the moment, though. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. There's, um, I see them on. Um, there is, um, oh, her name's Birdie something. She does like, um, I don't know if they're paintings, but they're really cool of like, um, uh, like iconic kind of feminists and stuff. And then there's, oh, cool. um, I saw, I feel bad because I don't know their names, but um, there was a, um, a young woman the other day I saw, she makes like um, kind of funny videos, but she also does like knitting, I think, which was quite cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to uh, imply that you were a knitter, but I was just wondering if you had a craft or, but feminism <laughs> no. does take up a lot of people's time when they get into it. It, it does. Um, and, and now um, we kind of know what we're doing now. We've been at oh. it for a few years. Yes. So now it's a lot of like talking to politicians and trying to get those relationships and, and explaining to them the issues and stuff. And so it's, it's a lot more involved than it was. It used to be like, okay, let's design a poster and we'll stick it everywhere. And, you know, um, yeah. so it's become a lot more complex. <laughs> okay. So, but, but now that you all have your footing, uh, mm-hmm. what's something, what's, what's the challenge? What's the ray of hope uh, from your position? The ray of hope. I think it's always going to, I think it's going to always lie in the masses. And I keep trying to think like, how mm. do we get them to know about this? Cause our media is very captured. Right. Yes. Um, so we can't get the message through the media. Um, And so whenever there's research and surveys, it shows that the public is on our side, but we can't communicate them the issues that are happening. So I think the ray of hope is always going to be in finding a way to talk to the masses and communicate what's going on. Um, And it is something I spend a lot of time thinking about. Mm, mm. Um, But I think the ordinary person is, is the hope here because the ordinary person Um, you know, wants everyone to be able to live their life discrimination-free and Mm violence-free, of course. They don't want trans people to be um, living miserable lives. But they also um, don't want their lives impacted by law changes that that subvert reality. Um, And And freedoms. And and freedoms. And and even though um, it might just be that they're outraged about the sport thing. It might be that, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that they'd let um, a male play rugby with in the women's team. Um, even if it's just that, people can see the unfairness. They can they can see when things are not quite right. Um, and I think if we can get through to those ordinary people and just say, look, you just need a like raise your voice on this issue because otherwise this is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I reckon we can, we just got to find out a way. <laughs> it, 
It's so fascinating that these democracies, uh, the 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 elite and the uh, and the demos, it's mm. becoming. I mean, over time, I'm sure uh, democracy has never been true. Or uh, mm. I mean, we have republics too. So there's always a, uh, a kind of a, a gap between the leaders and the led, or the elites and the normies. Mm. Uh, but it, it's just interesting to see that's happening again, and the media. Uh, in the free world, so-called, is uh, either failing uh, at their jobs or yeah. are captured, which would mean failing at their jobs with a purpose. Yeah, yeah it's um, very pronounced, uh, especially we don't have conservative media. So, I mean, yeah. I, no I kind of look, yeah, so I look at CNN and Fox as kind of being like, you know, t- two sides to, of the same coin, right? Um, and that's not allowed to be said either, but, um, we don't even have a crazy Fox kind of outlet where they would say stuff, but not be taken particularly seriously by the left. You know, um, we've just got pretty kind of captured, um, liberal elite (laughs) media and, and they're so wound up in this identity politics. Mm -hmm. Um, our media, in my opinion, of far too um, friendly with politicians um, and mm. I think it creates a block for what ordinary people like my group is just made up of um, a whole lot of women, mostly mums. I'm, I'm an anomaly, um, but there's um, mostly just a group of mums and, and we want to talk about our cause, but there's this block because the media have decided that our cause is not right or worthy and the the political class is so tied up in what the media says is right and worthy that it's like we can't get through. Um, Hmm. So, yeah, you're right. I think we say democracy um, and, and yeah, you know, we have a vote and stuff, but... Yeah. How it plays out is not particularly democratic at times. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think uh, this was from the beginning, uh, the uh, the means of uh, grassroots campaigning are now being captured with Twitter and Facebook and everything. So where's the populace going to go? Where's the populace going to go? Smoke signals, pigeons. I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> like, what do are we going to do? you guys have pigeons out there? Do you just like have little ki- kiwis like with a, like, uh, like some sort of... <laughs> genetic makeup that can go around past we've got past normal past. pigeons like just like hanging okay. out in the cities and stuff kiwis are really rare so you have to either go oh, to like a, yeah they're but not, you guys named yourselves well we used that. to have heaps of them but you know oh okay human, yeah, just with the bald eagle up. out here yeah we do we do we take yeah. a mascot and then we uh just kind of Kill appropriate it, it. yeah 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 so they, there's like sanctuaries and stuff and there's heaps of them um but not heaps as they used to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't have one at home. I, I guess your cats probably wouldn't treat it correctly. Oh, my cats are such wusses that probably a key. I do hear a bird. Around. Is that from outside or is that your? Yeah, friend? that's probably through the window. I I live in um right next to a reserve, so there's like a lot. Oh, of... really? <laughs> and and it's basically high summer for you, right? Yes, but I live What's in Wellington, office? which is um the capital. Um. And I'm an Aucklander, which is north. It's our biggest city. Auckland. And okay. it's Aucklander. Um, and it's 
much hotter. I didn't realize when I moved here that it's colder down here. So um, I see my family and stuff on Instagram and Facebook, like at the beach and swimming. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're wearing long underwear and uh, yeah. piling around with your mittens. <laughs> so it's it's summer in theory, but like I'm wearing yeah. jeans and yeah. I wouldn't. It's be not doing the summer that you though. want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Annie, thank you for coming on. Thank you for allowing me to pester you into this hopefully productive conversation. That was a good chat. It was like lots, lots we covered there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And uh, people are now aware of your product, or your uh, podcast, and I'll link all that in the mm-hmm. description below. And uh, you, you are very active on Twitter, and we have had kindly repartee from time to time, which is a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I spend probably too much time on Twitter. but yeah, um... don't, don't tell anybody that, because then then they'll uh, start doing purity politics. Um, Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it can be such a useful tool, but we can all be better at using it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tool that, that has a a profound uh, uh, propensity to use its users. Mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. (laughs) Well, I'm going to end the recording now. Uh, What are you up to? Congratulations for reaching the end of the discussion. If you enjoyed it, do be sure to leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or whatever you need to do to show that glorious algorithm that this is some good stuff. And do be sure to go and check that back catalog as it is brimming full of fantastic conversations. Links to provide monetary support are down there in the description as well. Have a good night.